about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, you ready this morning? Take your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Father, I thank you once again for your word tonight. I thank you that your word is truth and dispels all the lies that we have and all the ways we think about things that aren't really in line with your word. We thank you as kingdom people. We want to thank your thoughts, do your ways, act like Jesus himself because we have that ability by the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside. We thank you this morning for the anointing on each and every person in here. And we thank you that they become aware of it more and more as we teach on it each and every day. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We've been talking about the kingdom of God is not in word only, but it is also in power. power. Say power. That means if we're going to be kingdom people, we can preach the gospel, which is good. We can give the word to people and set them free. We can do all these things. But if we're not operating in the power of God, then we're not operating in the complete kingdom. How many knows you can, you can operate partially in something and not the fullness of it? We want to operate in the fullness of what God has for us. And as kingdom people born into the kingdom of God at the new birth, heaven belongs to us. Peace belongs to us. Like Christy said this morning, joy belongs to us. All these things are already on the inside of us. These are things you've got to pray for. These are things you've got to make sure don't get blocked up. How many of you ever got blocked up? How many have ever been spiritually constipated for a while? Yeah, because you get into bitterness, you get into all this stuff, and pretty soon you think you lost your joy. No, it's still in there. You just blocked it, praise God. And it's time to repent and get that stuff out of there. No more bitterness, no more burden. We sang it, praise God. And when you do, the joy and the peace come back out of the inside of you and flow supernaturally. Say supernaturally. I mean, you can run into the midst of a storm and just break out in laughter and not know any reason why you're doing that, and people think you're nuts, but that's supernatural. Say supernatural. supernatural. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 20. It says, for a few of the promises, some of the promises, 50-50, no, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is who? who has also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now, if we're going to be kingdom people, we've got to be word people. So this tells you, first of all, that all the promises are not future promises for you, but they're already yes and amen. Say yes and amen. Yes. When you step over into the reality of what actually belongs to you and start to activate it, it'll start to work in your life. If you don't believe you have it, you'll be praying for it and not being able to activate it because you don't believe that you have it. You already have faith this morning. It was given to you, and that faith will grow, of course, when you use it. But notice, all the promises of God are not future. They're yes and amen. So when a symptom hits my body, I simply say, yes and amen. Come on, when peace starts to go some way, yes and amen. Why? Because it already belongs to me, and nobody's going to steal. There are thieves out there, not just the devil. There are situations, there are circumstances, there's people. Right, right. Oh. Yes and amen. Yeah. Yes and amen that are out there, praise God. So here we see also, look at verse 21. Now he that stabilizes us or establishes with you in Christ and hath, say hath. Yeah. Now notice, hath is past tense. He hath anointed us. And who anointed us? Now, if you're going to be anointed, I'd want to be anointed by God, right? 
I don't know why he had to explain that there, but apparently there are some people in that day and age who didn't know what was going on. But notice, he has anointed you. You have an anointing. You have a rubbing. You have a smearing. You have a dunamis power that was given to you when? When you entered the kingdom of God. Not after 40 years of working for it. Not after 20 years of being in a church. Immediately when you were born again, power came with you and upon your life. You know, ever since I've gotten the ministry, and it's been quite a while now, praise God, God always spoke to me that there's going to be a generation before I get out of here who start to operate in the power of God. They're not just going to be in words and talk about it and go around and hand out tracts and everything. They're going to actually operate in the power of God, and the power of God is not a churchy thing. It is a living thing. You have the same Holy Spirit with you when you leave today at the restaurant you go to or wherever you go than what you have here, but we've not even shown the power in the church, much less outside the church, so nobody believes in the power. But everybody here has the power of God if you've been born again in the kingdom of God. If you've not been born again, see anybody in here by the end of the day and you will be born again, praise God, into the kingdom of God. So here it says that we already have the power. Now what's the problem? Basically there are things you have to do. First of all, you have to know you have an anointing. That eliminates 80% of the Christian population. People don't know they have an anointing. They know Jesus had an anointing. They know God has anointing. They know their pastor has an anointing. But notice, it's not just for the pastor. It's for every believer. These signs shall follow them that pastor. No, these signs shall follow them that believe. believe. Well, if I don't believe I have the anointing, how am I going to operate in something that I don't even believe I have? Second of all, once you find out you have it, you have to give place. Say give place. Give place. And I might as well put this, you have to give first place to the anointing of God, it's on the inside of it. That means you have to be aware of it. You have to understand that it's there. Being aware and understanding that it's there is what eliminates fear in your life. Because everything God asks you to do supernaturally is too big for you to do naturally, and you're going to be in fear unless you know you have something bigger, which is the anointing of God on the inside of you that's bigger than the circumstance you're running into because you have that supernatural power. So you have to give place to the anointing, and you have to start to use the anointing. Bible tells us we should be laying hands on the, and they shall, somebody says, well, I never saw anybody recover. Did you ever lay hands? No. Well, that's, let's just dissect that a little bit. We'll figure out what's going. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to let the anointing flow. You've got to release it. You've got to believe in it. You've got to let it go. I mean, there was a guy one time, an evangelist, who was gone all over the place. Not much was happening. He, he started crawling through his house and saying, I want a double portion. I want a double portion. I want to release the anointing. I want to release the anointing. He crawled into the bathroom and said, I want to release the anointing. I want the anointing. And God broke in and said, the toilet seat doesn't need a healing. Come on, what's he, mean by, what's he mean by that? The anointing is to do something with. And if you're not around needy people, and let me tell you, if you can't find a needy people, just come. Just call me. I'll set you up. My first question will be, how many do you want? Because there's needy people out there all over. There's people out there that are Christians that don't even know what Christianity is all about and the kingdom's all about. And that's what you're here for, to release that anointing on the inside and teach them. People pray for a double portion and they don't even use a single portion. So why would you have a double portion? Yeah. Just take the anointing that we got and we're going to operate it. And as we operate, as we're faithful with little, we end up with much. All right, go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I've been all over the Bible lately in these teachings, man, I'm telling you. Some of you didn't even know these books existed. (laughs) 
All right, 1 Samuel 16, are you there? Yes. Look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now notice, and go down to verse 13. It says, And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So what's he doing here? Here comes Samuel. He's going to anoint David to be king, basically, and he's coming to anoint him. A good way to understand the anointing that you have is to understand oil and study it in the Old Testament. Oil in the Old Testament basically is a type and shadow of the anointing of the New Testament. So whenever they're talking about oil, they're talking about basically the anointing of God. So why was he pouring oil upon him? Because it was a symbol of pouring the anointing of God or the power of God upon him so that he could do what he was called to do. Now David was called to be a king, wasn't he? So that anointing was coming upon him, what for? For him to be a king and rule and reign under that anointing of God. In other words, supernaturally through God himself. So it was oil. Say oil. There's a place in the Bible, I think it's in James, where the, you call for the elders of the church and they get the bottle of oil and oil. Notice, there's really no power in the oil. It's a, it's a point of connection for you to somebody, so it helps them believe that when that oil hits their head, basically, and they feel, say feel. feel. I mean, no, it takes feelings sometimes to believe something. It does it. Well, what's that a symbol of? It's a symbol of the anointing of God going on them. You can do it without oil. How many know it'll still work if it's your thumb and it's anointed? I mean, it's not, I got an unanointed thumb, and as soon as I put some oil on it, then I'll begin, look out now, praise God. I'm in, no, it's not that way. Your thumb is your thumb, praise God, but the anointing of God's in you. It's not in the oil bottle. Come on now. Hallelujah. So what is, what's it talking about? It's talking about oil here. Now notice what he says. He tells them, first of all, basically, don't mourn for Saul. Now who was Saul? Saul was king at that time who rejected God and the anointing of God, and at this time, Samuel was weeping over him, Basically, so he told him to pour the oil of the anointing on someone else by the name of David. Now, now, what's the issue here? The issue is here, you cannot use the anointing on someone who doesn't want the anointing. You can't. Some people you've tried to minister to for years, and they've given you the same story. A hundred, you can tell the story as good as they can by now. You've given them the answer. You've prayed for them. It hasn't done anything. Just don't waste your oil. Come on, they've got to have a breakthrough there somewhere along the line because they, they don't want to hear what you got. They want you to hear them and all the problems that they got. So here says, God says, don't cry over the people that don't receive the anointing you have. Get excited about the people who do. Amen. And you'll know when you start flowing in the anointing, as soon as you walk up to somebody who has a need, whether they want it or they don't. Because there's a flow that starts to, it's like a bubbling that starts on the inside of me. There's a draw that starts on the inside of you. Sometimes you can just tell right off the bat that this person's going to receive whatever, I, whatever word I give them. It's going to make sense and it's going to receive because we have the anointing to do that. So we don't want to weep over the people who don't. Many Christian churches don't want the anointing of God. They don't want the flow of the Spirit. Why? Because it drives natural-minded members out. Spirit of God starts to move, people get touched, people fall down, people shake under the power of God, people break out in laughter, and people break out the back door. And the same ones that morning were saying, do what you want, Holy Ghost. Do what you want, just not that. But see, the Holy Ghost is going to be the Holy Ghost if you allow the Holy Ghost to be the Holy Ghost. And the worst thing you can do is try to figure out how the Holy Ghost is going to do something. See, even like she talked about supernatural wealth this morning. The best way to keep away from supernatural wealth, try to figure it out for yourself. 
Because then you'll try to do it yourself, and your natural ability, you can't do very good. But I'll tell you what, you get into the anointing of God and listen to the Spirit of God. And the worst thing about that is the Spirit of God apparently doesn't know finances because he always wants you to give. I'm working on him. I'm trying to teach him that that's not the way to get rich. But he's just not there yet. He just keeps wanting you to give and give. And he don't care if you got 20 bucks. He wants to give 19. He don't care if he got one left. Apparently he can't add either. But why is it? Because that's a, it's a principle of the kingdom of God that works, and he's trying to get it over to you because our minds are not lined up like that. So it's the anointing that basically is going to do that. So the oil here, as you study it in the Old Testament, is going to show you, basically. And if you, if you, if you study some of the older stuff in the, in the Eastern world, you're going to find out that oil was very, very valuable. They used oil for cooking. They needed it. How many know food's important? Right. Should have got a bigger amen than that out of you people, probably. <laughs> They use it in cosmetics so that they can look pretty, and they put oils on them. We still do that today. They poured it in when somebody had a wound, didn't they? They poured in the wine, and they poured in the oil. They used it in their lamps. What for? To give them light. What are these? Types and shadows of the Spirit of God and the anointing. What's the anointing for? It's for provision in your life. It's for beauty in your life. It's for healing in your life. It's for revelation in your life. That's what the oil is used for. How many have ever seen an ugly Christian? Why is that? The anointing's not flowing. There's no beauty there. There's nothing there. They're saved, yeah. Going to heaven, I guess. Going to church, love it. I mean, no, there's no beauty there, is there? So the oil is what keeps your joy. The oil is what keeps you going. It keeps you healed. It keeps you all these things. So the anointing and being aware of it is very important in your life. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 3. This is why, as a pastor, I want to keep you full of the Word and full of the Spirit. Because if I keep you full of the Word and full of the Spirit, you're going to be full of oil. And as long as you're full of oil, I have no squeaky Christians in my church. Well, just wait on that a little bit. The revelation's just getting to the back row right now. It's about halfway back. Now it's getting all the way back there. Yeah, we don't know squeaky Christians. Squeak! All right, Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, and the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am pleased. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So here's talking about the, the baptism or the Spirit coming upon Jesus. How many know the Spirit was living in Jesus the whole time? Just like it's in you, you have, a, you have an anointing within, an anointing upon. Two different things. One is for your benefit, the other is for someone else's benefit. So there's two types of the anointing. Here Jesus was anointed with the anointing upon him, basically. And notice, up until 30 years of age when the anointing came upon him, he healed no one, he delivered no one, he did nothing. Why? Because he did not have the Spirit of the Lord upon him. This is why Jesus in Acts, right before he left, one of the last things he says was, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses all over the place. What was he doing? It was the most important thing he could leave with them right before he left is you're going to receive this Holy Ghost, and with that Holy Ghost, you're going to get something called power, and you're going to witness with signs and wonders in people's lives, and you're going to draw them into the kingdom of God. So here basically then it says Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. Say, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. Now, we could go further on this, but we're not going to because I don't want to tell you this because it's not good. Do you want to hear it anyway? Yeah. Notice, as soon as Jesus got baptized in the Holy Ghost and filled with the Spirit, the next thing to show up was a devil. Just stay empty of the Holy Ghost. Don't get anointed, and you won't have to worry. You'll mess up your own life. You won't need the devil to come in and help you. Yeah, he ran into the devil right off the bat, didn't he? Why is that? The devil hates the anointing. He hates the power of God. He hates the power of God being preached. He, he can have a nice little church where you just love each other today, this week. Hallelujah, glory to God. But when you start talking about power and people start realizing they have power, how many of you know Jesus came to destroy the works of the... And that's what we're here for, but it takes power to do that. It takes a supernatural ability to do that. And once he gives you that anointing, notice, you don't need anything else. You're already a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things become new. The Bible says that you have his nature on the inside of you, so you don't need anything there. And you also have the anointing of God. If you're frustrated in life, if, if you're depressed a lot in life, it's because you're looking for something else you don't really need because you've already got it. If you start using what you've already got, you won't worry about what you need because you won't need anything. Come on now. Is that too deep? No. Once we start walking in the anointing of God, you won't need all these other things, especially natural things. How many of natural things just don't work? They make you happy for two days. Here comes Christmas. Hallelujah. Open up all your presents. And then the 27th come bills come and you go. And then you spend four months to pay them. No, all those things don't bring you joy. They may bring you a little happiness every now and then, but there's a joy on the inside of you of ministering. And I mean, this season is a good time to minister to people. At least they're thinking about Jesus, sort of. You know, they put it in their yard, put his name up. They got a bumper sticker now that says Jesus. So it's time to get to those people, praise God. So if you're frustrated, you just got to know that the Spirit of God, praise God, is already on your life and when he's on your life. So the question is, I've got the Spirit of God. I've got the anointing. How many of you got the anointing in here? Okay, what am I supposed to do with it? Look at verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty all them that are bruised. So notice, first of all, Jesus knew that he was anointed. He said he was. It's the first thing that he preached. I have the anointing of God. Now notice what he says. What's that anointing for? Number one, it's to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. What would good news to a poor, poor person be? You don't have to remain poor anymore. Right? Why? The kingdom of God's here now. You don't have to trust in you or your job. You can trust in him now, and he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. glory. Here he said, I'm anointed also to heal the broken heart. Say, heal the broken heart. Heal. Notice he didn't say sympathize with the broken heart. He didn't say pat the broken heart on the back. He didn't say have a good day, broken heart. He said you're supposed to heal the broken heart. How many of you know some brokenhearted people? Yeah. Hallelujah. Then the anointing will take care of that. What is he else supposed to do? He said, you're going to deliver the captives. Say, deliver the captives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So if somebody's captivated or they're captive or they've got demonic problems, we are here to deal with that, basically. That's why we're here. And you're not going to do it unless you understand you have the power to do it. And the power came from him. It's on the inside of you. It's yours. It belongs to you. It's what you're supposed to be using, praise God. All right. No, no, no self to you. Recovery of sight to the blind. Say, recovering of sight to the blind. Now, this, people say, is talking about spiritually blind, but I think it's talking about physically and spiritually blind. 
because Jesus healed people who couldn't see back in that day. But as Christians, for some reason, you know, when we don't understand that we have the power to do that, and let me just say this, the person has to be in a position to receive also. You just can't line up 25 blind people and run down and slap each one and, and expect it to happen. There's a receiving on the other end. How many of you know that? When you got born again, nobody could slap you upside the head and say, get saved. You had to come in your own heart to a place where you received what Jesus did for you. Well, after that, you're all receiving it. Now you're a receiver. You're not a getter anymore. You're not a qualifier for anymore. You do, you'll get what you deserve, thank God. You're a receiver. So I receive the anointing. I receive my peace. I receive my joy. I receive the anointing. I receive the power. I receive my authority. All these things belong to me, and I got them way back when my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life as being born again into the kingdom of God. So a lot of times we will do natural things instead and not even think about the supernatural things that we can do, see? Find some blind person, you want to buy him a stick. Well, that's all right if that's as far as you can go. But if you've got the power, do you see what I mean? To do something, then we want to use that power. And as long as you're flowing in the anointing, the Spirit of God will tell you what to do when the time comes. It even tells you, if you get in a tough situation, it'll tell you what to say. But you've got to be quiet long enough. Yeah. How, how are you going to hear him when you're blabbing? Oh, I know what to do in this situation. This is what I'm thinking. is going to be. When you're done, the Holy Ghost gives you something else. You say, boy, was that stupid. What was I doing? Then you've got to repent. You've got to go back and do the right thing, don't you? So you're in no hurry when you run into any situation. You just got to allow the Spirit of God to sort out, you know, what he wants to do and what takes place. So here Jesus said, now notice, what did Jesus draw his attention to? He didn't draw it to his virgin birth. He didn't draw it to the fact that he was deity. He didn't draw the fact that he was a good life and never sinned. He didn't draw it to his title, pastor, evangelist, whatever. He didn't even draw it to his church affiliation. He drew their attention to the anointing that was upon him to do these things. Notice, his primary thing that he told everybody was about the anointing. Say the anointing. The anointing. So praise God, we have an anointing. We, we want to focus on that anointing. We want to understand we got that anointing. We want to be aware of that anointing. And we want to use that anointing, praise God. And we want other people to know that we have anointing. If, if you study the life of Jesus, he just started operating in the anointing of God. People got healed. People got delivered. People got set free. And then he said, don't tell anybody how many know that didn't work. You might as well said, get a megaphone and pronounce it because everybody's going to do it anyway. What was he doing that? Because he was trying to stay in a spot where he wouldn't get caught by a million people coming to him for something. But once they started saying it, Jesus never set up another tent revival. Matter of fact, he was running from people. Cities were chasing him down. He goes out in the desert to pray and his disciples follow him out. Well, what do you think he went out there for? Maybe to be by himself? See, he couldn't get away. Sometimes he even walked on the water. I mean, are they going to find you there? <laughs> Come on. Why is that, basically? Because he was operated in the power of God. And when that power of God works, people start coming to you. People got wanting their hands laid off. People come and they want it. Once it starts happening in your life, because I'll tell you what, once one person gets healed, they don't be quiet about it. They tell everybody around them what happened. See? So what, what are they doing? It's an advertisement. It's something that works. So it's even like the book. Some people are getting the book, reading it, and getting completely set free and delivered, and then they tell other people about the book. Do you see? We don't contact them. We don't even know who's got one and who don't. We just know that people are being touched by it. We're getting reports back that this person, who we don't even know who they are and where they're from and probably from an different state, got touched by reading the book, praise God. Well, how many know they're going to tell 10 of their friends? You see, that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. Success spreads. Nobody wants to hear what doesn't work. 
They want to hear what works. So we have the anointing of God. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm rubbing smeared with the power of God. And basically this anointing is on me and drew the attention to that. He could have drew it to a lot of other things. You know, I'm a pastor. You could draw your attention. I'm an evangelist. I'm a TCVC. Not only I'm a pastor, I'm the head <laughs> pastor. Well, big deal. You know, what good's that? You know, whether you get the word head in front of your pastor or your pastor in front of your name doesn't help you. But do you have the anointing? Praise God. Hallelujah. People lose home every day, afraid to lose their phone behind. Don't leave the anointing behind when you go places. Praise God. All right. Go to Acts chapter 10. You could feel in praise and worship, even like this morning, everybody was excited, everybody was singing, everybody was clapping, and you could feel in yourself that there was something, there's something moving and something on you, and all at once you came in depressed, and now you're happy, and, and you're jumping around, and you see that person, and that's funny, and all that. What is it? That's the anointing, getting it flowing, keeping it moving. That's why praise and worship is so important, basically. First of all, it delivers you since coming in the back door so that you're ready to receive something from the Word of God. It's very hard to receive from the Word if you come in here with a bad attitude. And just get mad at the pastor and you might as well either repent or switch churches because you're going to end up from the front row to the second row to the fifth row to the back row to the kitchen. And I'll tell you, if he wants you to get offended at anybody, it's me. Let's just talk this morning. Me. Why? Because if it's me, you can't get helped and you've got to get out of here and go someplace else. And I guarantee you, you won't be in that church long. And you'll be offended by something again, praise God. Hey, just go for one purpose, to, to get closer to God, to get the word of God, to find out what belongs to you, to grow in the kingdom of God. So what if somebody it took your seat? Right. <laughs> Been sitting in that row for four years now, and somebody had the nerve, a new person, of course. <laughs> I'm going to pastor. What do you want me to do, for God's sake? Some, should we put names on seats? They do that back in kindergarten. Johnny, Susie, <laughs> Luann seats right there. People come in while we're doing praise and worship. Hey, practicing. Can't get in there. That's somebody else's seat. Nope. Got there. No. But, I mean, it doesn't take much. It don't take much to make people mad. Why? Because the devil's working overtime, basically, to keep you out of the anointing of God and keep you from flowing that anointing and definitely learn about that anointing. My goodness sakes, he wants you ignorant. The only thing the kingdom of darkness has against your life is ignorance to keep you ignorant of everything that you have and everything that you possess. All right. Where were we going? Thank you. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. Once again, talking about the anointing, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Say, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. With, the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost and power. And power. Now notice, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of who? The devil. the devil, for God was what? Now, how was God with him? God was with him by the anointing of God that he had on his life and in his life. And here it says he went about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So he knew he had a rubbing, he knew he had a smearing people all the time. You know, in some meetings that I go to, if they're prayer meetings, they're praying, oh Lord, give me the anointing, give me the anointing, let me have the anointing, give me the anointing, I want the anointing. I can just hear God saying, I rubbed and smeared you all over with it, you already have the anointing. It's already on the inside of you. It's not something, again, you can earn, but it's something you cannot use. 
See, everything, you, you don't have to ever use your peace if you don't want to. You don't ever have to use your joy. You don't have to use your authority if you don't have to speak to anything. But all these things have been given to us by God, and they are there to use. Jesus uses him to heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Say, oppressed of the devil. All right, go to Acts chapter 3. That baby's really getting big, isn't it? My goodness sakes. Are you feeding that kid? She'd be walking, doing praise and worship here in a couple weeks. All right, now let's talk about the disciples a little bit. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and basically praising God. Now, this is the early church. Say the early church. How many know the early church was with Jesus? And they knew when the Holy Ghost came in the upper room that day that they got something. They knew that they had received power in their lives. They understood that. So basically they were rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and power. So they walked by this guy here who's been crippled all these years and they did not walk up to him and tell him everything that they didn't have. I'm going to say that again. What they didn't have, because most of the church will walk up and say, I ain't got any power, but I can pray for you. Well, then why pray for me? You see, that's what we've been taught. God has all the power. You don't have any power. It's up to God. God may do it. God may not do it. But notice what he said. He didn't say such as God has. He says, such as I have, I give unto you. So who had the power? Yeah, they had it. They had the power of God. They knew that they had the power of God. This guy had been crippled for 40 years, for goodness sakes. And basically, he'd been out there this whole time. You know, you see him alongside the roads. And they got the little pan out, and they say, God bless you, thank you, and everything, and they're, and they're trying to get money. Well, basically, he was doing the same thing because he was crippled. Now, notice, most of the church wouldn't even have thought about anything but to give him silver and gold. And they gave him silver and gold, and they felt good that they did something, and they went into the, our prayer and felt good. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you know you have something better than silver and gold. And here he says, silver and gold have I none. Well, that ain't true. They had plenty of money. The whole city came and dropped everything down at their feet the chapter before. Read it. They just didn't have their Jerusalem Express card with them or whatever they needed. Praise God. So basically, they were, they were going by. And all at once, he, wanted, he expected to receive something. Say something. I guarantee you he never expected to receive this. He didn't know if it was going to be silver or if it was going to be gold. He never dreamed he was going to get up. How many of you know that? But notice his problem was not not enough money. His problem was he had no legs. So if you go right to the problem with God, God doesn't half do things. Right? God does it if God does it. So God wanted to get him where he could actually have legs, get a job, earn some money, and not stand by the temple all day. And notice, these people that need money know what to do. They stood right by the temple. 
wealthy, they want to come after Christians because they know Christians possibly may give them a little money. And how many know that's true? We're good people, we're giving people, but soon they're going to get more than they expected. Soon they're going to get something, but we've got to know we have something before they're going to get something. So he simply said, silver and gold have I none. Since I have given thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And, you know, we talk about full gospel church and half gospel church and whatever. Full gospel church is more than just great music and drums and banners and everything else. Full gospel is talking about the full gospel. And the full good news is not only I'm going to go to heaven and I'm in the kingdom of God, but the full gospel is I have an anointing upon my life I've been rubbed and smeared with, and that anointing will work on a daily basis. And that's, that's why it's so important you have to keep your relationship with God up. Because your relationship with God is what keeps that anointing flowing in your life and working in your life and doing things in your life. So that's what we want to do. The Bible says you need fresh oil how often? Every day. You need a fresh blast, man, of the anointing. Praise God. The Bible tells you to be filled with the Spirit. So we want to stay filled with the... The best way you can stay filled with the Spirit is to keep all the other junk from coming in and failing you. And this world wants to junk you up, man. It wants to come in and push some of that Holy Ghost out of you and make you 50-50 or make you lukewarm or make you sit back and not even understand that you're here for a purpose. And this season's going to be tough because we've got so much stuff on our mind. But I tell you what, you're here in this season for a purpose right now. And it's not just to put up a tree, which is okay. It's not to put up outside lights, which is okay. Got to keep myself. So I may leave because they put up lights here. I put up lights. Let me just help. None of you going to hell. You're okay. Everything. Praise God. Hiding it, dear Lord. Yeah. Yeah, you can do all that stuff, but you can't let that occupy your mind and your heart and everything else to a point where you're forgetting about what God gave you freely, which was the anointing of God and the power of God's at your life. So notice the first, first, first disciples here knew that they had something. Such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And what did he do? He rose up and walked. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. As things get darker in the world and things seem to be going in the wrong direction, darkness is not always bad for the kingdom of God because darkness leads people to a greater hunger for something else other than the darkness they're in. And that hunger reaches out for something that can help them that's beyond the natural because they've tried that and it hasn't worked. So they're willing to go into the supernatural for that to happen. You get around somebody who really wants to change. Like I said, the anointing of God is almost pulled out of the inside of you. And if you're a preacher and you're preaching, you know whether people are receiving you know whether people are receiving, Amen. see, what you're giving out or whether they're not. Some people don't receive just because they're there to do their Sunday thing. Some people don't receive basically because they've had a block for a long time about God's got all the power, and I ain't going to say, I got any power. I ain't touching the glory. I ain't doing all this stuff. God's got it. I ain't taking any credit for it. I ain't doing all this stuff. Well, you know, such as I have, I have it. If he gave it to me, I have it. See, heaven belongs to me, I have it. Peace, I have. Joy, I have. I'm not going to say, well, it's God's peace. No, it's my peace. He gave it to me. I got born again into the kingdom of God, and it's my job to protect it. You're a manager. Yes. Yes. Everybody talks about money. What about your peace? How are you doing there? Right. Are you managing your joy? 
managing your power? I didn't even know I had any. Then chances are you aren't managing that very good, not your authority. And the reason why you don't know it is simply because he's kept you in the darkness, in the ignorance about it. That's why you're not using it. Now, if you never heard about the anointing before in your life and you come here and hear it for two weeks, trust me, you're, it's going to be a hard time for you to even think about it during the week because you haven't thought about it. You, you haven't been in that. You haven't been taught. You haven't been brought up in it. It's not in your mind. It's not ingrained in there. But the more that anointing gets preached to you and the more you look at it, the more you study oil in the Old Testament, the more you look at these things, you're going to find out there's a lot of things in your life you could be changing. It's sometimes to me, and this is my opinion only, words expressed right now are not the opinion of anything here but other than me. I believe that as Christian people and as kingdom people, sometimes we pray way too much because we're constantly praying for things that we've got the power to change in our own life. See, there's situations in your life you just got to blast out of there rather than asking God to do it for you when he gave you the equipment to do it. You've got the anointing there. When sickness comes at your body, you've got, you got to hit that thing, man, God. You've got to hit it. Now, there's nothing wrong with prayer. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to balance this without getting in trouble. Where am I? This way or am I? Yeah, but you don't have to pray about anything. You just got to walk in what you've got a lot of times. And that's what the Spirit of God will do. He will remind you. He brings truth up in you, a weapon in that situation to use in that situation. And you have the ability to walk in victory in every single area of your life. Tribulation will come. Jesus prophesying. But he's overcome everything. How did he do it? By faith. Faith in what? Faith in what belongs to him through the cross and that he's got right now. So sometimes you've got to examine, first of all, whether this is a God thing or I can just blast this thing out of my life to begin with. And once again, that, that's totally up to you so you can pray about it all the time. And if we want to go a little further here, prayer does not take the place of laws. See, you got laws in this kingdom that you got to follow, and you got to follow those laws. And I don't care how much you pray, if you're an illegal alien right now, and you're not agreeing with God, and you're not in the right spot, you can pray to your blue in the face, and God can't do nothing about it because you're in a law. If you want to go 110 mile an hour out on the freeway, I don't care how much you pray in the Holy Ghost while you're doing it. When you get stopped, He's going to pull you over, and He's going to give you a ticket. Praise God! And then He can say, "God, where are you? You're supposed to be protecting me. You told me. I thought I heard your voice to go 110." See, but prayer doesn't work in that. It's obeying the laws of God, basically, also. And if you don't know the laws of God, how are you going to keep? If you never read the book, how are you going to know? How are you going to know in order to, to get in God's kingdom, you've got to give? That's what he does. He gives. How you know you've got to forgive everybody? Peter says, just, can I just do it seven times? God says, no, good try. Seven times 70. See, so it's not going to work. We've got to obey laws, don't we? You can figure that out. I mean, how many of you ever planted a tree or a bush or a flower or anything? You take the seed, and what do you do with it? You put it in the ground. Now, you can take that seed as a kingdom person full of the power of God and put it on your cement driveway, and you can pray till the cows come home, and that thing's never going to grow. You can, you can cast the devil out of that seed. Come out in Jesus' name. You can pray over the Holy Ghost. And it ain't going to grow. Why? You're not obeying the laws. And that's just a natural law. Now we're talking about spiritual laws. So and there's nothing wrong with prayer when it's used at the right time. First of all, you've got to pray in line with the will of God. How many of you know that? You're wasting your time. There's things he said that I didn't believe that I said differently, and I prayed against him, and I lost every time. Never won one of those battles. See, I just couldn't understand why he couldn't see it my way. 
But it doesn't work out, does it? Because he knows the best way. He created you. He knows what's best for you. He's given you the manual of how to live and how to live the way you're supposed to. Because the kingdom of God, I don't know where I'm going here, but we're going a little bit off track. Is that all right? The kingdom of God, he came to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is, is not over here. It's not over here. It's actually in you. So the kingdom of God is not only in my spirit, it's in my bones, it's in my flesh, it's in my blood, it's in my joints, it's in everything. And in order for all those things to operate correctly, I need to operate in the kingdom of God for all those. So you can't live a worried life and a fearful life all the time and not expect to end up in some kind of body problems, sickness, disease, whatever, because that's, you, you weren't built. That's not the kingdom of God, and it's in your bones, and it's in your, the word of God goes in, and it gets in your joints, and your marrow, and your soul, and all parts. It's on the inside of you, praise God. Man, I feel like going someplace now, praise God. And as you study the word of God, it gets into your very being along with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible actually says the word of God will purify your blood. So if you get in the Bible enough and purify your blood at a young age, I said a young age, like you two young people right here, if you let that blood get in there and purify all your stuff that was in there from your parents and from everybody else and purify it, your kids won't have any problems because the word and the anointing purified your blood and that stuff is transferred through the blood and won't be transferred anymore. But most of us haven't done it that way, have we? No, we didn't do it that way. Yeah. And that's what God wants, one generation after the other generation after the other, starting with pure blood, basically. They're starting with the attributes of God. They're starting, they're hungering for God. They want to get born again. They don't have alcohol problems because their great-grandpa and everybody else has. They don't have drug problems because it's over here because that blood is transferred, and that's where it's transferred. It's transferred through the blood of a person. And the Bible says you get in the Word of God and the anointing will purify your blood. Hallelujah. Pure blood, glory to God. So when you have it, and notice the blood in the, in the, in the baby comes from the male. Now we got a bigger problem, don't we? We just had a little problem, now we got a bigger one. So that means the male must start to live a godly life, must obey the laws of God, hunger for God to purify his blood because that's the blood that ends up in the child that they have and that's very important. And that's why it's so good for us because once we got born again, we were born again by the blood of Jesus. And I get some different blood in me. I don't even know if it's going to be red when I poke it. might come out gold. Hell, I don't know. what. How do you know? Praise God. See? You've got different blood on the inside of you. It's in there. And that's the way it's all supposed to go. So if you can get the next generation to purify, do things right, have their kid, the next one grows up, he don't have to fight all that crap that you fought. The alcoholism you fought and the drug addiction you fought and the anger issue you had and all these things will all be gone but it takes somebody who really wants to follow God. Somebody wants to get in the word of God, wants to spend time with God, wants to do things. Otherwise your kid's going to need some kind of deliverance and there's nothing wrong with that. They can get delivered. I'm not saying that's the end of their life or anything but it'd just be easier if we did that. I mean if I knew everything I knew now when I had my kids well, my whole thing, my whole raising thing would be different. I mean, it was all right, but it was, there was a lot of religion in it because I was being taught religion. I just got born again at a young age, and don't do that, and don't do that, and you better not do that, and Jesus ain't going to like you, and all those things. I have flashbacks. I'm saying, what were you doing? My God, are you stupid or what? But we're all progressing, aren't we? And the words that you speak over your children, I mean, my God, the words they're going to believe are their own and yours. That's it. Other than that, they don't care about it. They don't care about what their friends think of them. They care about what their parents think of them, what their mommy and what their daddy says about them. And if you tell them they're going to be a loser, you tell them they're never going to make it. You never tell. Just wait till they're 21 and you have some issues. And then you're going to get mad at them. 
but you're the one. See, they believe that. They, be, they believe what you're saying. They believe what you're doing because they're your parents. And if you want to go a little further, they watch every move you make. You may not think they do, but they do. My grandkid, Talon, watches everything I do. If I'm sitting in the rocking chair and I got my glasses on, she came up, jumped in one day, and had uh, Mr. Potato Head glasses on and sat right aside of me. See, Papa had glasses on. Talon going to wear glasses, praise God. Last time I was there last week, I wear a, a baseball Warner shirt to bed there every night, and I put it on my bed and went and took a shower, came out and came out, she had it on. About 10 sizes too big for her. She could barely walk. She had this shirt on. Why is that? Because what they see you doing, see, they're going to do. That's the way it's all passed down. So laws are very important in the kingdom of God. And we want to operate on those laws on a daily basis, basically. When, we get out of, when you get out of line, you know. You've got a thermometer on the inside of you here. It says, hey, you shouldn't have said that. Hey, you didn't quite react the way you were supposed to. And that's not to make you feel bad. That's to make you get back into your anointing and your calling because God only cares about you finishing what he puts you here to do. If you make a mistake, he's not panicking over it, and you shouldn't be panicking over it. Just don't make it 100 times. You know, break out of it if you're really going to repent. But basically the power of God. So Mark 16, basically, do we ever go there? Oh, you all know what it says. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now we've got to go to it. Go to Mark 16. <laughs> you guys are drawing it out of me this morning. Do you see what I mean, the anointing of God? You're pulling me over here. Some of you need to hear this. Then this one needs to hear this, and he's pulling me back over here. I'm going around in circles, basically. And somebody will say, I heard that sermon, and this is what it said. And somebody will say, they didn't say that. He said something completely different. And that's all right, praise God. That's fine. All right, Mark chapter 15, or 16, look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But notice, he that believes not shall be saved. See, that's a Saul, isn't it? So don't go, oh, they didn't hear what I said or preached. Just keep going on with what you're supposed to do. Verse 17, And these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. And notice, the Lord working with yeah, you can even take that thems in italics, isn't it? And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. So notice this anointing you got works with the word of God that you've got, that you've put in your system, that's in your bones. If my word abides in you and you abide in me, ask what you want and you'll receive it. Why is that? Because you're praying completely in line with God's will for that situation, that circumstance, and God wants to get in there and you're his avenue in order to let him in there. Do you follow that? So basically you have an anointing of God. Say, I have an anointing of God. I have an anointing of God. All right, one more. Luke, Luke chapter 24. You need to get the name of this place, too, because you're probably going to put it in your phone. What is it, Alice's Diner? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Alice's Diner. Put it in your phone. All right, Luke chapter 24. This is the last thing Jesus tells them in verse 49. He says, and look, I send the promise. Say the promise. The promise. Now, who do you think the promise is? Now, notice what he didn't say. I send a promise. He sends the promise. 
because it's the promise that makes a promise good in your life. Praise God. So I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry your weight in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That word endued is infused. It is clothed with the power of God in your life. So here's the disciples. How many know they walked with Jesus for three years? How many know they received the Holy Ghost? But he said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you have the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. When did that happen? Pentecost, praise God. The Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and at that time they were infused with power. So Acts, the last thing he talked about was, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost. Here the last thing he says in Luke 24 is, but tarry in Jerusalem until you be infused with power. So notice, he emphasized power in, even in his preachings on his way out. Okay, I'm preaching too long. I can tell by the baby. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you have the anointing of God. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I give you praise and glory and honor for the anointing. I thank you, Father, that the word spoken today go in the hearts and our minds and basically into our old soul's bloodstreams and every single part of us. We thank you for the anointing of God that we can live in victory 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I thank you for a week of peace and of joy and of power and of goodness and of love and of patience in everybody's life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Praise God. the key.